0: Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk the podcast. Today we're going to, well, first of all, let's just say it's show number 274, Helping Preschoolers with Autism Target Specific, Receptive, and Expressive Goals. And I'm going to be answering a mom's really targeted questions. I've known this mom for a while now and have had an opportunity to Skype with her and have gotten to know her and her child uh, online. And she's written me this long email, and I have got the chance to really, really respond. And so I thought, gosh, this will be a great topic for the show. And because this mom does not live in the United States, it's very, very difficult (laughs) to schedule uh, her to be a guest on the podcast, but this is the next best thing. So what we're going to be doing is taking her questions and letting me just give her specific ideas. And the other uh, part of this is that she's previously purchased all of my materials, but specifically Teach Me to Talk the Therapy Manual and Teach Me to Listen and Obey 1 and 2, that DVD set. So I'll be giving her sections to talk about and to think about and to go back and read and watch again so that she has, again, a really good idea of how to target these really specific goals that she's working on at home and I'll give you some more information about her and her little girl in just a minute so you'll have good background information and the reason that I think this is such a valuable topic is because this email is the kind of email that I get from moms all the time especially moms who have children in therapy but who are taking it upon themselves <laughs> to go that extra mile and really really work with their children at home to uh, so that they can make better progress with their goals and so that they're be, being sure that they are doing everything possible to give their children the very best start. So if you're a mom and you're thinking, I'm not sure if this show is appropriate for me, I don't know if if this is applicable to my situation. Let me just tell you, this is a little girl who's on the autism spectrum. She's been diagnosed. She gets speech therapy. She gets... Uh, some ABA. She goes to a little preschool program, so uh, she gets occupational therapy as well. So, this is a mom who's super involved, has a full team of therapists for her uh, child. She's getting lots and lots of services, but she still knows the importance of being able to work with her at home. And this is also a mom, too, who really has had to work to teach herself how to work with her child at home uh, because she's not a teacher or a therapist or another related profession this is something that really has been outside her comfort zone and so I want to be sure to get that in there as well too because I know that there are lots and lots of moms listening in that same situation and you are thinking to yourself how am I ever going to learn to do this you know, or this may be more trouble than I think it's worth for me, or this isn't coming naturally to me. I'm really struggling here. I wanna work with my child, but I'm just not sure what to do. You will get ideas from this show, even if your child is not quite at the developmental level that this little girl is now. I believe this little girl close to four. I may be mistaken about that, but I know she's over three, probably close to four. And based on how mom has described her, and you will hear her questions as we go, and you'll be able to hear exactly what mom says about her and how she describes her. But she's probably at the 18 to 24 months language level. Now, she may have some splinter skills, meaning that she may have some skills that are at higher levels. Uh, She may be able to do some things that are certainly above that 18 to 24 month language level but just based on what mom is telling me about her and the kinds of things that she says and again I'll I'll get to that so you'll hear these things for yourself I would guess that that's where she is but again keep in mind this is a little girl that I have not met (laughs) I've I've seen this beautiful child via Skype so online and again conversed with her mom uh, with through email and with Skype and so I know more about them than some of our previous guests who are just kind of giving me a one-time shot, but I do want to make it pretty clear that I'm not her regular therapist and that I have not worked with her for any period of time. I've just gotten snapshots of this little girl when mom has contacted me with a question or we've had a Skype session or... um, that just these little snapshots in time. So, I want to make that really, really clear too. This is not a little girl that I know in depthly, like I would a little friend that I would see um, week to week, or even a child that I might see one time for an assessment and then see her a couple of months later, and then see her three months beyond that. So, it's not that situation at all. But I, I wanted to make sure that you're aware of that so that. If some of these things don't quite seem, um, you don't feel like you're getting all the information that you need, or if you're a therapist and you're trying to make decisions about what would I recommend, what would I say, what would I do, there may be some gaps. So that's why I want to explain that. Now, before we really get going with this, though, I meant to start the show with this. Let me just say what a fantastic conference season um, I'm having. Last week, I was in Indianapolis for two days and taught. Uh, Building Verbal Imitation Skills in Toddlers on Thursday. And then the new course is at Autism on Friday. And, oh, my goodness, we had a packed house and so much fun. And then this week, two days ago on Friday, I was in Charleston, West Virginia, and I just have a blast every time I go to West Virginia and Indianapolis, too. And I, I always tell both sets of crowds because I've been there you know, so many times, so many years, and, and meeting and seeing some of the same folks year after year after year that I just, I feel like I have friends there. I feel like I go back and it's kind of like a little homecoming because I get to see people that I've seen before. And if you were in either of those settings, thank you, thank you, thank you. We had such wonderful discussions and I got fantastic questions. And I met a lot of you who tell me You know, I listen to the podcast as I drive to work every day. Or, oh gosh, one oh such a sweet, sweet uh, woman that I met in West Virginia, and I talked to her on the phone, and she was just so cute when I talked to her on the phone when she registered for the course, and. She was a speech pathologist that had worked in the school systems and had retired and and made the switch to early intervention. And she said pretty quickly she realized oh, I need some help. This is a different population. So she was so sweet in telling me stories about how you know when I first started in early intervention, I would listen to your show on the weekends and I would just listen to show after show. And I just feel like I know you. And so that was so sweet. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of those. Ladies who shared their personal stories and were just so sweet to me and and just made me so welcome and we had such a great time. So, and let me mention, I have uh, several dates coming up and they're all in Illinois. So on December 3rd and December 4th in greater chicago and actually in naperville at the hilton garden inn we're going to be teaching is it autism recognizing and treating toddlers who have red flags for asd and again that stands for autism spectrum disorder if you're not sure what that little abbreviation stands for i'm teaching that class two days in a row so you can come either thursday december 3rd or friday december 4th and then the following week i'll be in bloomington illinois and on thursday um I'll be teaching Building Verbal Imitation Skills in Toddlers, which is an expressive language course. We'll talk about some prerequisite things, but it's primarily an expressive course and then the autism um, workshop on Friday. So if you are in or near Illinois or if you want to travel there, I would love to see you those days. You can get information about registering for either of those courses at teachmetotalk.com. And lots of people have asked, uh, this question, let me just go ahead and talk about this. Steps to building verbal imitation in toddlers or building verbal imitation in toddlers is already on DVD. So if you're thinking, man, I would love to go to that, but I just can't get there because of travel or the time of year or whatever, you can get that course on DVD. And again, that information is at teachmetotalk.com or you can email me at laura, L U R A, at teachmetotalk.com and I'll get you that information. And then is it autism should be on DVD in course form with ASHA credit or available for any kind of credentialing or licensure um, requirements that you might have in your particular state. That course should be on sale in January, hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll get that done, but I've had such a fun time teaching that course. Again, it's new for me. I wrote the ebook, Is It Autism, this summer, primarily for parents. And then just reading it and the incredible response I got from therapists, I thought, I have got to make this a course. And it is just turning out to be a really, really fun course to teach. And I love sharing real-life valuable diagnostic and intervention information with therapists. And autism is something that all of us are constantly getting information about if you work in the field of early intervention. It's such a prevalent topic right now. One in 68 children is being diagnosed with autism in the United States. And that's just, you know, the, the, the prevalence has just skyrocketed um in the last several years so it's a super super course and if you cannot get to Illinois <laughs> to attend that course live i'd love for you to jot yourself a note and check it out when it comes out on DVD in January and of course i'll be teaching it all through the country in 2016 so if you don't want to do it on DVD you want to wait for the live course hopefully i will get somewhere so that you can come and it's close enough for you to come to all right so back to our topic today Let me just begin by reading this mom's question, well, questions, these questions, and she actually has fun questions, and I know some of you who are therapists might chuckle at that and think, oh, I, I love moms like that. They're on it. They want information, and so we'll just take her questions one by one, and again, when I feel like there's additional background information that I can share that will be helpful to you as a mom or as a speech pathologist or another therapist, a developmental specialist, or early interventionist, whatever you call yourself in your state, uh, if I can give you background information that I think will be helpful for you, I will certainly do that. But again, this show, I'm doing it for everyone, but mostly for this mom, because I like her so much, and I've not gotten to respond, and I just thought this would be a great way to give her the information that she needs, since we are having a really difficult time coordinating our schedules well enough to do a Skype. And let me just mention, if you were interested in a Skype consult if you're a mom and you think gosh that sounds like a cool idea email me um at laura l-a-u-r-a at com, and i will send you the link uh from my website that gives you the information about how we set that up let me just say though during the holidays and as i'm finishing up teaching these courses out of state it may be a little dicey getting that scheduled like it's been with um the mom whose questions I'm answering today, but I will do my best if you are interested in that. So feel free to email me and get that information if you think that would be helpful for you. So she starts and she says that she's read the autism book and she loves it. And then she goes on to say, I bought like half the toys on the list from your um early speech language development taking theory to the floor course so now i would like for you to give me specific ideas to use with those and she's saying she's still so hard uh, it's still so hard to get her to sit with me but it's getting a bit better we can now do a few actions before she starts to cry <laughs> and so then she goes on to list her questions and let me just mention that course as well early speech language development taking theory to the floor really is for therapist But some moms have ordered it, especially moms who are outside the United States and who do not have consistent access to quality therapy services. So this mom, again, we know that she's a go-getter because she emails me all the time and we've done Skypes and she's bought all my books and DVDs, but she's gone that extra step and bought the course. Now, that's not necessary for lots and lots of moms but if you find yourself in that situation that is a good comprehensive course that takes you through the foundational pieces for getting language going so we talk about social skills and how and social interaction and what the red flags are when a toddler's really really struggling with uh that particular domain talk about that. We work it on up and talk about cognitive skills and receptive language skills. There's a big section on expressive language skills, meaning what a child can say, how we teach a child to say words. And then finally, we finish up with a section on speech intelligibility. And I wanted to mention that because that might be an option if you are a therapist and are new to early intervention. That is a fantastic course to get. It really, really will remind you of the things that we look for when we're working with toddlers. It will give you lots and lots and lots of treatment ideas so that you're able to really take that information and apply it. And, of course, as with with any professional continuing education course that you would take, you'll be getting lots and lots of theory, too. But I, I want to just say for therapists who who really need a how-to and, and and what-to and why-to course, it's a super, super one that um, I would recommend that you uh, check out, especially if you need some more CEUs this year. All right, so she says, think about there, she's saying that I've watched, I've taken that course, I've watched that course, and she says, I've bought a lot of those toys, <laughs> but then she goes on to say, but I'm still having trouble, and that's an important point. It's not the toy that really, really matters. It's what the adult uses the toy for and all the different ways that you can target whatever specific goal that you're working on. So sometimes that, that is something that we'll hear from moms is, you know, I'm using the same exact toy as you and I'm still not getting the results that I want to get, or it's still not going as well for me as it did for you on the DVD, or, you know, whatever the situation happens to be. Let me just say, stick with it. Don't give up if you're trying something new, a new activity, a new toy, a new strategy, you know, a new tip or an idea that you're getting. Don't feel like something should work just fantastically the very first time that you try. And let me just give you a little (laughs) heads up about the DVDs. In the courses, like the one that the mom talked about, Early Speech-Language Development, Taking Theory to the Floor, and then the other one that's on DVD, Steps to Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, and certainly if you come to live events. In courses, I really do really try hard to pick out children who are not performing perfectly because real-life therapy never looks like that. (laughs) It's never easy. The first time or two that we introduce an activity or a new strategy, meaning, you know, that we're working on a new goal and this is how we work on it. It never goes perfectly the first time or two. It always feels shaky meaning that, you know, the kid doesn't respond quite as you would hope or you're not quite as talented or, or as sure of yourself as you want to be when you start and so it feels a little bit uncomfortable, that's normal. And so, in of course, I talk a lot about that, about not showing perfect clips, showing when a child is having trouble and struggling, showing when I might mess it up a little bit and then recover and say, you know, don't do this, look at how I did it the next time, try this, or just kind of walk through the possibilities of things that can happen. But let me just say on my DVDs, teach me to talk, teach me to listen and obey one and two, teach me to talk with apraxia and phonological disorders. Most of those clips go pretty well. And that's on purpose because I would not want to have, especially with that, you know, those were my first kinds of projects. It's just, It was just a little bit more uncomfortable. And I really, in showing kind of the progression that you have to go through to start when a kid is, again, really, really struggling and not not even sort of coming close to meeting the goal, that therapy is a little rougher to watch. And so for the purposes of those initial DVDs, sometimes I can see how a parent would watch that and think, my kid's never going to do this. That, lo- that looks like magic or something. I'm not going to be able to do that. Yes, you will. Just keep practicing. Keep implementing the same kinds of things that you see me do on there, and the children in those DVDs. You know, of course, I picked out my little clients who I knew were going to perform pretty well. We had a limited amount of time to get that project done. You know, those were the again the beginning kinds of projects, and uh, we had lots of staff who assisted us. So, of course, I wanted to make sure that I had. Children who I knew would do it. So when this mom says, you know, she's still not completing these activities like I want her to do as compared to the children on your DVDs, please know that those kids were in therapy with me for weeks or months before we videoed them. So they had lots and lots and lots of practice. And those skills were on their way to being mastered. And so children look different when they're, performing or using a skill that they own, that they already know how to do, something that's not brand new for them. So, of course, a child will have to have some time to learn and to understand what you're asking them to do and for it to become fun. All of these activities, again, we design them to be fun and we do everything we can from the very beginning to make a child want to participate with us and want to play with us. But my point is sometimes at the beginning, it's not as fluid or fluent or smooth. As you would want it to be. So just hang in there and don't give up. It will get easier over time if you'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So I wanted to be sure that we talk about that. So let's begin with her first question. She says, how do I work on receptive and expressive goals? I watched your three DVDs, and in the Teach Me to Talk DVD, you asked them to say something versus in the Teach Me to Listen and Obey DVDs, you asked them to do something. When do you start? That is a fantastic question, and let's just take this apart a little bit for parents who may be listening to the podcast for the first time. You might be new to all the speech therapy stuff. So let me just explain this lingo a little bit. Receptive language means what a child understands, what he receives (laughs) in his little brain through his ears as he listens and how he processes it and understands it. So think about it in terms of, again, what he – the directions he can follow – the words that are meaningful to him, meaning that you say, go get your book, and he runs across the room and gets the book and brings it back to you. That's an example of receptive language. He understood what words you used, he followed that direction, and he completed the request that you asked him to do. That's receptive language. And the DVDs that she's talking about, Teach Me to Listen and Obey 1 and 2, are filled with idea after idea after idea and example after example after example of working on receptive language. Expressive language includes the gestures or the nonverbal methods of communication like body language, gestures, facial expressions, anything and, and I don't want to say more importantly or most importantly, but it's kind of how most of us think about it and the words that a child would use so how a child expresses himself how he tells you what he what he wants what he's thinking what he's feeling again that's when when how he communicates himself to let you know what he means that's expressive language and so she's saying you know i'm noticing a difference here and teach me to talk the dvd you're mostly asking children to say something and that's the purpose of that dvd we that, again, focused on how a child and what a child learns to communicate on his own. And so she noticed that right away versus the other DVDs where I'm getting the child to do something. And she's asking here, how do I work on both? When do you start? Now, remember, her child is already in therapy. So it's not like this is brand new. They've been doing this for a while. She's just wondering... What would work best? What do you recommend? And my answer is a little hedgy on this. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm kind of hedging my bets here. If I knew her child and had met her in person and had worked with her little girl one-on-one or leading that session, working with mom with that little girl, I would have a better answer. So because I don't, let me just tell you how I decide. I usually work on both kinds of goals with children. And I switch it up so that they don't get tired of what we're doing. So for a kid like this little girl, because she's on the autism spectrum and because I know that she has a large vocabulary now, but she doesn't always use words for what she means. I mean, she's a good labeler. And by labeler, I mean that mom can say what's that or he will see something and say the name for it but she doesn't necessarily make requests. She doesn't necessarily use the same words that she can say to answer questions. So on some level, she certainly knows the word, but it's not completely, um, she doesn't completely, well, she doesn't fully use the word as, as a typical, developing child would or a typical language learner would because when babies who don't have language delays learn to understand a word and then say a word they can usually use it in lots of contexts they're not just limited to labeling it or naming something when someone asks they're able to say let's say they know the word milk and so when they see the milk in the sippy cup they may say milk but then mom is also able to say, what do you want to drink? And they're able to say milk. They might see a picture of a glass of milk in a book and label it and say milk. Um, When mom, mom may just point and say, again, you know, what's that? The the child can use the word in lots of different contexts. What it sounds like, and again, that would be a kid without difficulty learning to understand and use words. So a kid who's not language delayed. It sounds like based on what the mama said about this little girl, she can only use words in very, very specific situations. So she may and and she does know hundreds of words now, but she doesn't always use those words to answer questions, to make a request to do anything beyond labeling. So it's really, really important that this mom I and mean, this little girl, let's, let's just say it like I tell moms all the time. I'll say, you, with a child like this, your child knows how to talk, but she doesn't really know how to communicate. And by that, I mean she doesn't know that she can say a word to ask for something. She can say a word in response to answer a question that you've asked her can just talk about it meaning that that you know she might use that word to make a comment about something or or to solve a problem for herself like let's say that they're take the word milk let's say that mom and a little girl are pretending and and they're playing together and they're playing baby dolls and mom might say oh the baby's crying the baby's thirsty what should we let her drink and a child who's not struggling with language may come up with the word milk but a kid like this little girl may only be able to use milk in a certain situation, like maybe when she sees it on a flashcard or when she when her mom holds up the milk, when she sees the container, that may be the only time that she can retrieve that word from her little brain. That may be the only the only time that she would the only set of circumstances that where she could use that word. So we have to do everything we can to make words that she already knows how to say meaningful. And we have to always start with being sure that she really, really understands it. Not only can she say it, but she understands what it means. It's a really common misconception about children who are verbal but who were on the autism spectrum many, many, many times. Just because those children can say a word doesn't mean that they really understand it. And that's pretty confusing because with typically developing toddlers and babies, they usually understand a word first and then they're able to say it. And they understand many, many, many more words than they could ever possibly say. And in children with autism, we often see that pattern reversed they can say a lot more than they really understand. And so because it's an atypical pattern, we have to go out of our way to fill in the gaps. So for a, a child like the one that we're discussing today, we have to be sure that that not only she says it, but we all almost have to double down on making sure that she understands it and knowing in our minds that just because she can say a word doesn't mean she knows fully what it means or that she's able to use that word beyond a specific set of circumstances. So that's our that's our main goal here. That would be my main goal for this little girl and other children like her is that we're going to prioritize her receptive goals, meaning that we work super 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 hard on being sure that she understands words that especially words she can already say because once we know that she really really understands the word it is much 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 more likely that she'll use that word to communicate not just to talk not just to say the word for their, for the sake of saying the word but to say the word in response to her mom's questions to come up with the word when she wants to ask her mom for for that specific object or or whatever it happens to be we want her to really master the word so that she can use it in for situation she needs uh um, to use it in. So my point here with this mom is if I were her I would always 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 work on helping her understand because we know ultimately that's when she's going to use more words. And later on, she'll say, you know, she has a large vocabulary, but she doesn't really come up with words. She doesn't really use words to make requests to ask me for things like I think that she should. And so we know that there's something missing. There's, There's a missing link somewhere. And children who are on the autism spectrum, it's that processing. It's that understanding, that comprehension piece. So I would suggest to this mom that she really really um focus on the receptive pieces first and here's the other thing that I think about this little girl because she already has lots and lots of single words and and likes to repeat likes to imitate She'll talk anyway, even during these receptive language tasks, so even though you know in your mind that you're working on helping her understand new words or and the words that she says, but you you think she's kind of fuzzy on how she really really understands those words, um, she'll talk anyway, and so for kids like this, you don't really have to focus as hard on the expressive piece because that will come your real work is going to be in helping her with comprehension or learning to understand what she's really really saying and the words that she already knows plus new words we always want to be looking at vocabulary development the other thing that i would say here too is judge how she does best meaning that some children Really can't talk if they are learn if they are focused on following your directions or processing more complex directions and so for for some some kids can't do both at the same time it's just one or the other, and you'll have to kind of figure that out depending on the child that you're working with. And so for her, you'll just need to see what seems to work best. So does she follow your directions and complete your request? So, you know, again, that's receptive language. Does she do better when you're not asking her to say the word? Or for some children who are on the spectrum, they do better when that talking component is there because that they they almost have to say it before they understand it. And again that's an atypical pattern but what we have you know whatever the child whatever the child's natural learning style is it's what you want to facilitate. So if you you know you would never say to her something like shh don't talk you're just supposed to be following my directions here. You can't say that to a preschooler. You know they they wouldn't have really understand it anyway, so she, she may be the kind of kid who talks regardless of what you're working on, and that's fine if that's what's happening. You'll just have to judge how she seems to do best and go with that because that's going to be the very best approach for her and her particular learning style, and it really really does seem to depend in my experience with children, on what a kid prefers. And I don't really know that unless I've worked with her. And so this mom is going to be in a better position to judge. You know, if she's truly prioritizing a receptive language focus, she will say, okay, does she seem to do better when she's really, really quiet? Or does she participate with me and stay with me and not fuss, uh, not complain, not cry when we're working on and playing together if, I ask her to say some things as we go. And she might be the kind of kid, too, that because she is already verbal, she really um, enjoys the praise from her mom when she says something. You know, I don't know this about her, but I've certainly worked with children like that. They've almost had to, in their little mind, say therapy to them has become, oh, I'm going to say this, and then you clap for me, and then I'm excited. And then because I'm excited, I want to I work for even more praise. So if that's her little personality or her learning style, you certainly would always have her say something or, or do something, again, where she's got the expressive component going, whether it's a sign or a word or whatever you're using there, a gesture so that she is doing her part. And, again, you'll just have to figure it out, and you can figure it out which way she seems to do best. If she's non-compliant, meaning that she's not following any of your directions, she doesn't seem to be listening at all, she's complaining, she wants to get away, then switch it up, and you'll know I'll either need to have her talk more or talk less. I need to give her shorter directions. I need to make it more fun. You'll be able to decide, and, and to this mom I would say, Spend a lot of time watching and re-watching Teach Me to Listen and Obey too, so that you can really, really hone in on those little games. And don't really, and this is going to sound weird, but this is my advice to the mom. Don't really pay attention to what the kids are doing and how they respond because your child may not respond that way. Focus on watching me and and, and watching the kinds of adjustments I make as we go. So if a kid's not doing something that I asked him to do, do I take his hands and help him do it? Do I reword the the request? What are some of the things that I do? And so that will help you, and that will help you know how to tweak what you're doing so that you make it as um, successful as you can, because we can't always control the kid, but we start with doing everything we can to change ourselves so that we make It just as easy as possible for this child to follow through. And, again, sometimes it really does depend on how we cue him. So I would encourage this mom to watch that DVD again. And since she has that longer course, watch the receptive language section of that course. You know, pick 10 minutes and just watch it and think, okay, I'm really going to master the kinds of things that – Um, her to talk about in that section or the kinds of commands that we're talking about or if it's a particular set of therapy clips that you're watching. Really watch it over and over and over until you feel like, I understand what Laura's doing there and I'm going to do my best to implement those same kinds of strategies. So let me just say, I've had moms who tell me that and therapists who say, you know, I've had to watch that you know, 15 times, but now I get it. Now I understand it. And now I get better results from the child that I'm working with because I was able to change what I did. So that's a piece of advice that I'd, I'd like to give you. Okay, let's move on to question number two. She says, she now has a big vocabulary as we talked about, but it's difficult for her to understand descriptive words. So how do I work on these without confusing her? And also she has big confusion with pronouns. She said if you have ideas for those as well. So as we've already said, this is a little girl who has lots of single words now, but mom is doing everything she can to teach her new words. So she's asking me some questions, particularly about descriptive words and pronouns. Let's talk about descriptive words. Descriptive words mean words that we use to describe something. So, if you'll think back to your high school English class, these would be adjectives and adverbs. remember those terms <laughs> from high school English. So for children who are toddlers, and I'm using toddler here to refer to any child let let's just stick with two year olds right now and even though this little girl is over two, she's still kind of functioning down at that eighteen month, so almost two to two and a half year old level. So I've I've told mom look on page 80 and teach me to talk the therapy manual. That's a list of core vocabulary that most typically developing 2-year-olds have mastered. And so for descriptive words there's a nice list there. Let me see if I can dig that out. I don't know if I, I can't reach that from where I'm sitting. So if you have Teach Me to Talk to a Therapy Manual, it's the vocabulary list there is grouped in naming words or nouns, action words or verbs, pronouns, and those are words like me, my, mine, I, you, those general words that we use in place of our names when we're talking about ourselves or when we're talking about another person, so pronouns. Um, and the, the list is there, and then descriptive words, and that's how children usually and prepositions or location words, and that would be have been up further on the list. And I try to li- when when I provide a list for parents or therapists, I always try to sort of stick to the order in which children acquire words. And when we have new language learners, they generally learn nouns or names for things first, and then they'll add. <laughs> some action words or verbs, and some prepositions, location words, followed by pronouns and descriptive words. And again, there's there's a loose order of acquisition that All children use, and the order will not be the same for every particular child. Like we can't. The pronoun you will emerge when a child is 24 months and 7 days and 18 hours old. I mean, it doesn't work like that. But there's a general uh, progression, a general pattern that children follow. And so if you have Teach Me to Talk the Therapy Manual, as I know this mom does, look on page 80. And so what I would encourage you to do, With a kid like that is just look at the list and figure out which which words she understands and which ones she doesn't you're going to come up with ways to reinforce the descriptive words that she already knows because remember we always work toward mastery and with a child like this remember just because she can say it doesn't mean she can understand it so we would always want to check and be sure that if she's using the word big that she really really understands the word big So what would you do? How would you know if that's really meaningful for her? Well, if I were seeing her in person, I would probably just look around their home and find some things that were the same object. You could use something identical like Legos or blocks or balls maybe, some toys, and I would get um, a big ball and a little ball. Hopefully the same color, but that doesn't even really matter. Sometimes it's better if we use identical objects, so we are absolutely sure that the child is correctly identifying the descriptive word that we're going for so or if or if there are no toys like that there, maybe i'll have um I'll see you know a pair of dad's shoes and the little boy's shoes. And I would grab one of dad's shoes and one of the little boy's shoes, and I would say, which one's big? Show me the shoe that's big. I want the big one. Which one's big? And if he can point to or give me or somehow look at or acknowledge the big shoe, then I have a pretty good idea that he understands that. And we might do that with several different objects. And, again, in a casual, um, it doesn't always have to be so structured, you know, that you gather 18 different sets of objects to test whether they really understand big and little. But if that were my priority for the day, I would really think about it before I got there or spend some time at the beginning of the session saying to mom, hey, let's take a minute and kind of gather some things here and deci- so that we can decide if he understands big and little and if he doesn't understand it yet, that's what we'll teach him. That's what we'll work on today. And again, it, for uh, lots of children, it doesn't have to be that structured, but for some children, it does. For some children, you really could kind of teach big and little all day long, just throughout the day in the the course of your day, and a child would get it. The more difficulty a child is having learning language, the more likely it is that you'll have to be pretty, pretty structured. And for a little girl like this who's, as I said before, I think she's close to four, and she hasn't mastered some of these descriptive words yet, mom may have to be a little more direct or focused in how she teaches New words like that. So you'll, and again, it really does depend on the child. So you'll just have to experiment a little bit and figure out based on that list which words she understands and which words she doesn't. Now, if you're thinking, I don't have that list, <laughs> what should I do? Oh my goodness, I can't work on this because I don't have that list. That's not true either. Just think about common descriptive words that you would use as you talk to your child. Or if the child, again, is in the same situation as this little girl, meaning she has a large vocabulary, but she sometimes says words that she's not, you know that she doesn't really understand what they mean, keep a little list and think, well, if she uses a word like loud, if she imitates me when I say, you're being too loud, that's too loud, If she really understands it come up with some little game or little routine so that you can determine whether she really understands the difference between loud and soft or loud and quiet or whatever words you want to use. Uh, the list is just a guide. It's a good place to get started. It's a, you know, if you if you don't have that book and, and really need the list, by all means get it. <laughs> but if you if you just need to sort of start with where you are, you certainly can look around and think What kinds of descriptive words here would I teach? Other early ones are hot and cold, wet and dry, (laughs) um, yummy and yucky, clean and dirty. And usually we think about teaching these words as opposites, meaning that, like I talked about before, you'll have something big and something little. Sometimes that's too much. We have to break it down and teach one descriptive concept at a time, meaning we're only going to teach big or we're only going to teach hot. We don't try to teach the same, the opposite words at the same time because for some children that's too hard and they get really, really confused. And that is a little more difficult for us in a teaching situation because naturally those comparative words lend themselves. To comparing, meaning that you're going to use something big and something little at the same time so that you can be sure that the child understands what word you're, or concept you're actually teaching. But for some children, that that's too much. You'll have to break it down and you'll just have to work on big, 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 big or um Cold, you know, you're you're only going to talk about things that are cold. You won't even start to talk about or point out things that are hot yet because that would be too confusing. And I hope that makes sense to you as you're listening to this discussion. So back to our examples. What I would uh, probably do here, especially because in, in the next, um, well, let's just move on to the next. Well, no, let me finish this question and then I'll tie her next question in. What I would probably do uh, for this little girl, like I said before, just look around your home and get lots of different examples of things. If she needs to work on size words, and she may have already mastered this, I'm not sure, but I generally, when I'm thinking about descriptive words, would start with size because that's a concept that children should understand by two and a half. So between two and two and a half. So just look for things in your kitchen, you know, spoons, like a big spoon that you may cook with versus a smaller baby spoon that you would feed a baby with. And you can really do some teaching with Big Little there. Look for um, clothing items. So a shirt of yours that's big and a shirt of hers that's little look like we talked about before with balls or blocks or books anything that you can think of where it the the object possesses or or it would the descriptive word that you're teaching would accurately describe the object that you're using to teach the word so look around for those kinds of things you can also again do this during your daily routines bath time and meal times are great for teaching words that are descriptive like that we've talked about wet dry hot cold clean dirty uh, we have to also make sure that we are giving a child enough opportunities to learn a new word. Typically, developing children research tells us it takes about 20 times for them to hear a word before they really start to understand it. So, for a child with a language delay, we know they have to have even more opportunities to hear a word before they understand it. So, I'm telling this mom, make sure that you're teaching it. You know, 30 times that you're giving her 30 different trials or opportunities to teach her. We can't just expect, you know, oh, I'm just going to review this new word soft. I'm just going to teach her the word soft with her pillow, and I'll say it five or six times, and she'll know it. That's not necessarily going to happen. And we know that because she's having difficulty learning to understand and use words. So just know in your mind it's going to take a lot of repetition so that she can hear it over and over and over um, I, I'm also telling this mom, and now as I'm saying this, I'm telling this mom, let me just say I'm following up with this mom with an email, but I wanted to do the show so that she could hear me talk about the answers to her questions, because you can say so many more words than you can ever really type in a response to an email. So that, again, as I'm referring to that, I want you to know what I'm talking about. Um, I've, I'm guiding her to specific pages in the therapy manual that she can work on other ideas for understanding receptive words. And I'm also giving her some specific recommendations for teaching her child to understand pronouns. Now let's just talk about pronouns for a minute. And I did two previous podcasts on pronouns. And so, if you're looking for ideas for that, let me redirect your attention to those shows a couple months ago. can't really remember those numbers, but look back at Teach Me to Talk um, there on the homepage. You can scroll down to the podcast banner, which has a little boy and little girl logo. You can click on the current show and then a page will appear with all the previous shows and scroll down so that you can listen to those two shows on pronouns because I was so, so, so specific about ideas for teaching pronouns there. But just remember that you always want to teach the easier ones first. And the first ones to emerge are me, mine, my, I, and you by about 24 months. So those are the ones that mom should be working with her on first. So understanding the word me first. Understanding mine. And boy, what a fun one to teach toddlers. (laughs) It's kind of their favorite thing, you know, to really say something is theirs to show possession. That's an important cognitive skill that children should be um, working on or learning as their toddlers, and so that's why we teach those first. And there's some other really cute ideas there in the therapy manual, was on what pages 89 and 190. When you're teaching, you almost always will find something funny to have a child do. Like, I'll pretend that I can't zip a like bag, or I'll pretend that I can't close the door on a toy, and I'll say, You do it. And they, if the kid's looking at me, you know, like no, nah, I don't know what you're talking about, I really do a, a big exaggerated point and say, you, 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 it's your turn, you do it, you, you, you. And there's a cute example of that on Teach Me to Listen and Obey too, on that DVD too. That's a cute one to do. I point to my eye, e y e, my eyeball. <laughs> a lot just to cue the word i and again these ideas are back on that previous show so go back and listen to those um and start there for teaching those pronouns okay next question how do we start working on categories she said i heard your podcast on object functions that i have to tell her the function all the time before i start to ask her but so this is what i'm trying so this question may be a little confusing to you if you've not really thought about this before but children, when they're over, right at about 36 months, 36 months to three and a half, are able to start to answer questions like, which one do you wear on your head? And they would pick the hat, or would say hat, or which one flies? And they would understand that if they're looking at several animals, that they should point to the bird versus the cat or the pig or something like that. They understand what functions an object would perform does that make sense okay a very related skill is being able to categorize items so she's kind of put these together and I understand why she's asking this question together. She's kind of lumped these two goals together. So she's saying, how do I start working on this? And there's a nice section about this and Teach Me to Listen and Obey 2. And I think that she probably has watched this and is still a little bit confused about how do we start. So this is what I do. I always start with categorizing objects into familiar groups. So, again, you could do something like shoes versus socks. So what do you do? You just pile up. You get three or four pairs of shoes and three or four socks And you say, look, the shoes go here and the socks go here. And then you sit there one at a time with the child and and say, you know, hold up the shoe and say, "Where, where are the shoes? Let's put it with the shoes. And you put it in the shoe pile. And then you repeat yourself with the shoes and the socks, so that you're grouping all the shoes in one pile and all the socks in another pile. Now, some children will sit and happily do that with you as you sit there making two little piles wherever you're sitting on the floor, you know at a table, whatever you do. I found with toddlers though they like this game better if you introduce a running component. so we may sit in the middle of the room with our pile of shoes and socks, but we I will make a big deal about picking up a shoe and running to say an opposite wall and saying, Oh look, shoes. Here are the shoes. Shoes go here. Let's put all the shoes right here. And then I'll run back and say, Where's the shoe? Let's find a shoe. Get one. Get one. Get a shoe. Come on. Where's the shoe? And so we I, if the child doesn't get the shoe, I put the shoe in the child's hand or take the child's hand and pick up the shoe and then we run together and put it with the other shoe. So that we're starting our own little pile. And then I'll say, oh, Let's do stop together pick up a sock and then go put it on the other side of the room so that we're starting a pile of socks and that's how we would start with categorizing objects and again you're going to want you know seven ten different you know you're you're looking for two groups here and you'll but you'll want you know a good number to start with so that they have a lot of opportunities to practice you could do this with I've done it with in the kitchen with forks versus spoons or plates versus cups. Or you could do it in the toys. You know, if you're playing, let's get four or five balls and four or five books and then group them. Let's put the balls here and the books go here. You could do it with anything. So that's what I would do. And always, as she mentioned, we're going to talk about the functions as we sort. So if we were doing this with um, – it's easier if you use – a uh, really different or dissimilar item. So you may do balls versus socks so that you can say, you know, oh, socks, these go on our feet. We wear socks on our feet. Which one goes on your foot? Oh, it's socks sock versus a ball. Oh, this we throw the ball. We bounce the ball. Which one do we play with? Yes, it's a ball. So you may teach, pick categories that are really, really dissimilar so that you can uh, teach object functions as you go, as you're teaching or as you're working on categories. And the reason I'm saying that, let's just think about if we were using forks and spoons, you can't really say <laughs> which one do you eat with because either uh, either answer would be correct. Or if we were doing shoes and socks, you know, which one do you wear on your feet? Both answers are correct. So you may want to stick to doing really dissimilar items that have nowhere near the same function at the beginning so that a child would understand and respond better. Okay, fourth question. She says she now understands what's that and is something. So she's talking about the kinds of questions that she understands. She says, but she doesn't answer any other questions. You said to work on choices first, so I'm trying that, but if you have more ideas, please. So, I'm direct I'm asking her does she understand yes and no questions and saying start working on that if she doesn't respond. And again, a response for a child might be saying the word yes or no, but it might just be shaking their heads yes or no, accurately when you ask. And so I've given her the page number so she should start looking at page 195 and follow those examples. But you can usually start pretty early and pretty um, simply with, you know, just asking them a question if it's something they want. So if she loves cookies, do you want this cookie? And, of course, the answer is yes, yes, yes. And then you take an item that's non-preferred, meaning something they don't like. And so, you know, and and you may not want to do food, especially with picky eaters, and you don't want to reinforce their selectivity, selectiveness, so you may not do food on that but just pick something they don't like and you know really model the answer for that of course would be no. So that's how I work on yes and no to kind of get going or something really silly like if it's their favorite character say they love Elmo. And so and but and, but they also under, they also know the character Mickey. So you may hold up Elmo and say is this Mickey? Is this Mickey? no, no, not Nikki, it's Elmo, not Nikki, no, no, no. Do you see how that would be real fun and make sense? But you have to make sure they already know the answer or already know what you're asking so that you can definitively teach that yes versus no contrast. So there's some good ideas there. All right, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to just zip through these last few questions. And if you're listening to this show and this doesn't make sense and you need more information, you can always email me and I will give you some more guidance. But let, for the sake of getting through this mom's entire email in one show, let's just roll along here. Um, number five, she says she has a large vocabulary. She uses one word all the time she requests. Sometimes something she, she needs something and I withhold it and she could use a two-word phrase. And she says the only sentence she uses is I want, so tell me how to work on that. A lot of therapists make this mistake. They start thinking that when we move a child to phrases, we have to start with, I want, you're going to want to start with easier, earlier two-word phrases. And actually when children, uh, when we look at typically developing children, they really don't do a lot of those three-word requests until after they've mastered a pretty big variety of two-word utterances or two-word phrases. So my best ideas for teaching two-word phrases are found at teachmetotalk.com dot com in an article called "Making the Leap from Words to Phrases." So write that down if you need some help with phrases. Making the leap from words to phrases. I've done several podcasts about that. So again, go to the podcast page at teachmetotalk.com. dot com. Scroll through the shows until you see the the topic, <laughs> "Making the Leap from Words to Phrases," and listen to that show because. There are other kinds of phrases that we should be teaching first. My plus a word that they like is an easy one to start with toddlers. So I would ask this mom, what are her very favorite things? And let's just say that she loves her baby dolls. Um, and so I would really pl- play with her doll and I would use whatever word she uses there like, you know, my baby or my dolly or whatever, you know, my Dora, whatever it happens to be. And that that's how I would, I would you know, teasingly take it from her and pretend like I was going to keep it like it's mine. That's a good way to elicit my. The other thing you need to be doing is a technique called expansion. Every time she says a single word, you should repeat her and add another word to it and then get her to repeat that, that phrase. And so, again, you want to have a variety there. So if she's playing with a ball, Let's just say that she has a ball and she's throwing it and she says ball. You could say, ooh, ball up, ball up, up, ball up, so that you're adding that preposition or that location word to that word ball. So you've made a phrase there. And let's say then you catch it. You could go with my ball or um, um, catch ball. Just your, your goal here is you expand her single by adding one other word, and then getting her to repeat it. And don't get stuck on a certain pattern. Sometimes moms, will, when I'm doing this, they'll say, oh, okay. And they'll listen for a little bit. And then they'll try. And then they start adding the color with everything. They'll If we were playing balls, they would say, green ball, blue ball, purple ball. Don't do that. Try to expand so that you're using a big variety, so that you're using location words. Ball up, ball down, or action words. Go ball, or kick ball, or um, um Oh, gosh, ball rolls, throw ball, anything like that, so that you've got a a variety of new words there. So that's what I would do. And for this little girl, because she has so many single words, I would take words she could already say and pair them with what she's trying to say so that if she's saying a word like bowl meaning she wants her food in her bowl and she's putting the bowl on the table you know we would say bowl here or bowl down or bowl on so you're adding that word that other word that she already knows you're adding it and you're getting her to imitate you and that's how you expand that's how you help kids go from single words to phrases it's not always with I want Whatever, or I see whatever. Don't get stuck in that. Use the earlier, easier <laughs> ways to help a kid move. To phrases. So, look at that list. And don't always do it with a request either. She needs to just be commenting and labeling. Uh, And because she's a good labeler, that's probably where I would start with. um, And maybe, you know, as you're teaching descriptive words, what we've already talked about, that's certainly a good target. But pick words she already knows. So, if she already has a lot of verbs, you would just, and you were playing with something, let's say you were playing with the cars, you would purposefully use the verbs that she already knows and pair those with the car or whatever other toy that you're playing with so that it, everything is not brand new. So you're pulling from her existing vocabulary. All right. Question number six. She says she plays social games with me and sometimes she asks me for songs but only for me, her mom. How do I expand on that? And she says she goes to the nursery, which is her their little word for preschool. Uh, what is the – you know, which is where she is most of the time. What should her should her shadow teacher, meaning her little assistant, be doing with her? And my her question here, I think, is should I teach the shadow teacher to play social games? And so my response to this mom in capital letters is yes, with three exclamation points. <laughs> Meaning we want to teach the shadow teacher who is her assistant there to help her get through her day, navigate through her little schedule at preschool and keep her on task. Teach that teacher the game, same game she loves with you. If the teacher is not with you all the time, meaning that you don't have an opportunity to teach her in person, video you playing the game with your little girl, you know, on your phone. Everybody has those fancy phones now where we can do this. Video that and then. Send the teacher that game and say, I want you to learn how to play this with her too. And it'll just take the teacher some you know, time, of course, to, to play it in the same way that mom does and really get the child to understand, oh, this is the game that I play with somebody besides my mom. But it's a great way to start. If she somehow seems to balk at playing the same games, meaning that she somehow has associated in her mind, I can only play this game with my mom, then have the teacher teach her some new games. If you need some help with that, Teach Me to Play with You is my book with, gosh, probably more than 100 little games or rhymes or finger plays in there. But just think about little baby games patty cake, peekaboo, chase, ride a little horsey, row, row your boat, so big, all of those little first little games. That's what the teacher should be playing with her too, so that we can expand her circle <laughs> so that the child is able to use those fun fun little games with more than mom but mom is always the best place to start but then we we do want her to expand it and i love that mom knew that all right last question she says when i check the expressive goals and what she means by this is the last time that we skyped mom had her copy of teach me to talk the therapy manual and she said where do i start with her and i said you'll look at the beginning page on every chapter and so in this book, the goals are organized by age range. So there's a set of goals for below twenty, below 12 months and then 12 to 24 months and then 24 to 36 months and then 36 to 48 months. I could look at the goals and just make a little check by the ones that you know she can already do. And then you'll just teach her the ones that, that she can't do yet, okay? And so she says... I found out that she's mastered all of the 12 to the 24-month goals. The only one left is asking, what's that? And she says, how do I approach the next set of goals, 24 to 36 months? Do I start with two or three of the goals or how? And so first of all, I wanted to ask, answer her question with how to teach what's that and how I teach what's that, usually a lot of kids will pick up that question because we are constantly asking children, what's that? Oh, look, what's that? Tell me, tell me, what's that? So that they hear that question all day long. And most children will naturally begin to ask that because they generalize, meaning they hear you do it enough that they understand, oh, those are the words that I should say when I don't know what something is or when I want mom to tell me. When a kid doesn't pick up on that, when you (laughs) – When you're having trouble, then what you're going to have to do is make it a little bit more structured. So I would gather lots of novel objects, meaning things that she might not have seen in a long time or things that would be new for her. When I've done this with children, I've I've picked pretty shiny things like pieces of jewelry from my jewelry box. You know, of course, not anything really expensive that they could damage, but, you know, just little costume jewelry or just, again, something really, really novel that they may have never seen before, like a paperclip or a rubber band or, you know, again, it it doesn't matter what it is. You could go through a house or a car (laughs) if you're a therapist and you're about to be in a visit. And pick some things that you think a child might not have seen before. Put them in a bag that they can't see through. So like a grocery bag or, you know, a brown paper bag. And you'll make a big deal about shaking the bag and saying, ooh, what's that? What's that? Listen, listen, what's that? That's open. Let's see. Ooh, look, look. And then take an object out and say, what's that? And you'll repeat yourself over and over and over And hopefully the child will imitate you. If the child doesn't imitate on his or her own, you know that you should cue them and say, tell me, what's that? Or you say, what's that? And you have them ask. And as soon as they say it, you tell them what it is. Then you put it back in the bag and you start the whole fun game over. But you may have to do this for several sessions if you're a therapist or if a mom, over and over and over and over, over the next several days or weeks or months until a child gets it but you you just keep doing it until they understand that that's what they should do and be really really sure that you are animated and exaggerating you know what's that what's that so that they really listen and and perk up and pique their attention and really uh get excited when you're playing that little game so that they will be more likely to repeat that. Now, as far as the goals, her next goals, this is what I do. I start at the top with all of those lists because remember technically the all the lists for those goals are really for any test or any kind of milestone list. We usually start with easier things at the top and it gets more difficult as you go down the list. So just start with the first two or three. And and work on those and the ideas for working on those goals, remember, are listed right there in the therapy manual. So follow those directions. And if that doesn't seem to work, the other thing you might try, look for things that she's already sort of doing. So goals that you feel like, oh, I think she might might kind of know that and start with those goals. And that will make it easier to get success. And, again, it depends on the kid. Sometimes you'll just go the... (sighs) going to work on these two or three goals, and then we'll move on to these two or three goals, kind of do it sequentially. But some children are already sort of learning things on their own most of the time. And so you could pick out what she seems close to learning based on something she already knows and then go with that. And for this particular mom, if you need more direction with that, email me back or we'll Skype, hopefully one of these days, and be able to determine which ones might be easier. But those are the methods that I use. Either either do it sequentially about what's going to be easier for the kid or look at what she's already sort of trying to work on herself. It might be what she's making errors on, meaning that, like, pronouns would be a good place to start because she's misusing pronouns. And you know she's already trying to work on that. She's already trying to figure that out. So that would be uh, where you start with that. All right, that. A lot of information for one show, but again, I had a really specific purpose when I did it so that I could answer this wonderful mom's questions. And if you have questions like this that you need specific feedback for, come on the show. I love having guests, and I love giving moms really you know, laser-focused answers to their questions so that we can talk specifically about what you are having difficulty with or what your child is having difficulty with. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, shoot me an email at Laura at teachmetotalk.com and I would love, 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 love to help you uh, with some specific questions or specific answers for your specific questions. All right, that's all for today. a safe, happy Thanksgiving this week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.